the free for all roundtable round two on round two from Queens Park Observer, it's Sabrina Nanji. Max Valiquet is an advertising and media guy. You know News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew, mostly from the trivia show. Jason, I found it somewhat uh, remarkable that I accidentally uh, texted you a heart emoji this week and you didn't even answer. I mean, did you think that that was a normal thing for me to do? I just thought that you were enjoying our correspondence, John, and I was all in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Listen, let's uh, talk about this 5 p.m. deadline on Sunday. That's where that's the last point where we will be told, yay or nay, is there going to be a school strike on Monday? But Max Valaket, I I get the feeling. I don't want to make any fearless predictions, but either they're going to get a deal or they're not going to get a deal, and they'll pull the uh, the ripcord before 5 p.m. Yeah, it looks like there's that mounting feeling of dread with parents all across, right, as we wait to see what's going to happen. It's funny because in the break leading right up to this, there was yet another ad from the provincial government promising that kids would be back in school, promising that they'd be catching up, promising that that starts with getting them in classes and having more support, more workers, helping our kids get there. So the part about this that I'm just finding so detestable is you've got the government saying one thing which is we will do whatever it takes to get your kids back in school and not just back in school but back with the extra resources they need to catch up to the never-ending strike story so here we go i guess i think when we're on in the year 2034 or 2035 we'll still be having this conversation and we'll look back fondly on the 15th anniversary of it because that's what it feels like right now sabrina and angie are there ever any murmurings or whisperings at queen's park that give you a clue as to where things are going in these negotiations well, uh, you know, anecdotally, uh, what I'm hearing from union members is that a lot of them actually want to take this deal. You know, they want the chance to vote on it. And I think the Ford government kind of, uh, you know, maybe set off this chain of events by, you know, caving somewhat to, to QP's demands here. And I, I don't think they'll go with that big hammer again of bringing in, you know, something like the now dead Bill 28 that brought in the notwithstanding clause and kind of, you know, open this big can of worms for the labor movement. But but, you know, Lecce, the education minister, kind of suggested that there was still a little bit of wiggle room. Um, and so I think the only thing we know for sure right now is that parents are going to be on tenor hooks all weekend until this 5 p.m. Sunday bargaining deadline. Uh, but I, I think right now they're, they're going to try uh, and, and get a deal at the table. Uh, and, you know, with CUPE, I mean, it's still rem- it still remains to be seen. Like, there's a lot of things that could happen here. There could be binding arbitration. It could just be a one-day strike. Uh, I think that this is going to have the effect of making things awkward at the bargaining table for the other unions because don't forget QP is the first one in the in the line for you know teachers unions which are also in negotiations and tend to get paid more and so i think that they're definitely feeling galvanized now the union uh, and you know we'll see if if who's going to end up, you know, giving a little bit uh, at at the bargaining table. Yeah, Jason Agnew, I find myself uh, wanting to channel one of the prosecutors from Law & Order because somewhere in each show, somebody turns around and says, just make a deal. Just keep talking is what I'm saying here. I mean, you're at the bargaining table. Keep talking. Keep working it out. Keep acting like adults. I was on here uh, last time on the round table and was just blown away by we keep they both sides keep saying, you know, we want to do this for the children. Well, if you're doing this for the children, pulling them out of school is hurting the people that you're trying to provide for. Just keep talking. Act like adults. Get a deal done. And let's move on with this. The sequel's never good as the original anyway for the union. Okay. Okay. 
Sabrina, I want to come back to you on one issue because we talked with the former Toronto mayor after the news at 8 o'clock this morning, John Sewell, and he was escorted out of Queen's Park and denied permission to present any testimony to the group looking at all of this uh, housing development and these changing um, policies about how cities are going to be run. And uh, I figure, you know, if you can't, if you deny a former mayor, along with two other former mayors, then maybe you, you're on this single-minded track and you're not planning on changing anything. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good assessment of where the Ford government is standing here. But, uh, you know, let me dig into the procedural weeds. Just bear with me for a moment, because this is just kind of how things work at committee. And of course, you know, John Sewell, uh, you know, it was a badass move showing up there uh, when he was not on the, you know, designated speaker um, speaking list to this committee. But the way it works is that both parties, like the opposition parties and the government, they get these lists of everyone who wants to speak to this bill at committee. And they put their priorities in both sides. So obviously the government's going to pick groups, uh, like, you know, building developers who are in favor of this bill. Um, They're going to pick those folks to speak while the opposition will be picking, you know, people who are opposed to this. And so it, it, it kind of raised questions as to why, you know, John Sewell and the other former mayors or even AMO, you know, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario wasn't given the opportunity to speak and why the opposition didn't exactly, you know, keep them high up on the list of speakers that they wanted to hear from. And that said, you know, all parties, anybody, you know, you or me, we can even submit written submissions that will be considered by the committee um, for possible amendments. And so John Sewell, uh, along with David Crombie and Barbara Hall, the former mayor, did submit a written submission and said, uh, you know, they were uh, opposed to this bill, especially the reduction of development charges that municipalities rely on for infrastructure that we need when we are actually building housing. And so I think that this was a badass move from John Sewell because it got a lot of buzz, like we were all paying attention to it. And sometimes that's what you have to do when there's a controversial piece of legislation that can, quite frankly, just be rammed through uh, because of the Ford government's majority here. So uh, procedurally, I thought this was very a very exciting time but you know optics wise it, it's not a good look to have queen's park security you know escort an, an 80 year old former mayor like out of the legislature well he's known for some badass things so i guess it was just another day in the life of john sewell uh, let's stay with uh, Greenbelt housing development all of that stuff you guys have had a chance to digest this investigative report from the toronto star and while no allegations are being made the suggestion would be that some people may have had a tip-off about land being rezoned in the Greenbelt, um, and it does certainly seem odd that somebody would move in on land that was supposed to be vouchsafed never touch it buy it for a huge price close the deal and then weeks later uh, the rules change and you can build on it jason agnew your thoughts i mean it could happen john i don't know if it would be the first time that there was some questionable business going on with land developers here um but you know the bill bill 23 more homes built faster is just it seems to be extremely controversial in the way that i know that there's a housing crisis going on but there are a lot of people upset about this about rushing houses about changing the way the green belt is going to be managed uh there's potential drainage problems there's potential flooding problems here and if you rush this it's just going to end up with some you know homes that are not built in the best spots. Um, Max Valaket, your thoughts? I mean, no one's spending $80 million on a parcel of land unless they know that it's going to be able to be developed, especially not when that person is a, um, what's it called again? 
a developer. But um, I just want to add, I was pro John Sewell um, uh, arriving, but I wanted him to have music and then an announcer do a kind of WWE thing. I wanted to hear, oh my God, that's John Sewell's music. Maybe he hops in with a steel chair. Like I'm looking for as much of the drama as we possibly can have in this. I think it could have been spectacular. Um, all that being said, of course, it happens to be friends of Doug Ford's. Of course, it happens to be people who have made significant donations to the Conservative Party. And they are spending tens of millions of dollars on pieces of land that the premier that the premier absolutely assured all of us would not be developed over the course of his last campaign and look at what is happening of course follow, it's rule number 1 follow the money follow the money follow the money i guess that's rule number 1 2 and 3 and again no one spend tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars on something like this unless there's a payout around the corner it's sad uh, on the matter of John Sewell, just one more. I, I, I think somebody at some point said, you're out of order, and I wish he would have channeled, uh, I think it's the verdict, and said, no, you, sir, you, sir, are out of order. Uh, but Sabrina and Angie, none of these allegations are necessarily being directly made. Nothing uh, has been or is even on track to be proven in court, so I want to lawyer us up a bit on this one. But it certainly seems suspicious. Yeah, I think it's it no doubt, you know, raises questions about the timing of all of this, you know, whether these people knew uh, that that lands would become developable, developable. Um, obviously, you know, back a few years ago, we had that, uh, you know, leaked video of Ford promising to, to open up the green belt. And so maybe they were just kind of banking on that. But it, maybe it's my delusionment with with politics these days. But um I think this is kind of a water is wet story. It's not surprising to me that developers, people with a stake in any government relations are, are donating big bucks to the government of the day. I think, you know, these developers had also donated to a lot of money to the liberals when they were in power. Um, it doesn't seem like there's anything, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, illegal happening here because these are just kind of what our rules allow for. Um, and of course, now, you know, we have new fundraising rules. They've been scaled back significantly. Um but yeah, from an optics point of view, this is not a not a great look. And as you know, the NDP was saying this week in question period, it, it does kind of appear to be shady, but it's also just them's the rules. Uh, John, John, I yeah. just have to say the last thing I like to do is is correct anyone here, but you were thinking of Al Pacino in And Justice for All. And I Justice think. for All. Leave it to me to get everything wrong. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just I just felt like I had to. No, do believe me. It's uh, They say Mozart's <laughs> mother used to get him out of bed in the morning by playing a scale and then not, not playing the last note. So I know when I get something like that wrong, there's all kinds of people in their cars yelling, wrong movie! Okay. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Jason Agnew, have you written your farewell tweet? I'm not big on Twitter. I use it occasionally. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm more so Instagram driven at this point. I kind of wrote off Twitter, Twitter when everyone got super, super angry all the time on it. So I'm not really going to miss it. But I don't know what Mastodon is yet. I should really get on that. It sounds kind of weird. But uh, Sabrina and Angie, if you go on Twitter anytime in the last 12 hours, I mean, at first I thought, what's going on? Is there a planet about to hit the hit Earth? I mean, everybody was goodbye. This has been fun. Um, you know, I actually delete my Twitter app from my phone on the weekends just so I'm not on it. But I'm with Jason. I'm I'm not great at Twitter. You know, I use it to, to get the general news. But, you know, for me, tweeting as a journalist, it's, it's probably pretty shameful that I, I don't tweet as, as much as I should. But um, good riddance, in my view. Okay. Max, are you putting together something poignant? 
Uh, no, I mean, uh, as poignant as I could be in, in 280 characters, right? Frankly, it's been really fun to watch just how badly this has been handled. Uh, fake accounts everywhere. Uh, Eli Lilly losing tens of millions, if not billions of dollars in stock valuation because someone managed to fake their account and uh, uh, pretend to be giving away free insulin. I mean, look, you've you've... You've obviously got a, a a company that's being managed incredibly poorly. I genuinely feel terribly for the people who worked there or used to work there, and I've had un- had to undergo some terrible, terrible conditions over the past couple of weeks. So, whatever t- Twitter turns into, it will be a shadow of its former self. Thank you all. Good to have you on a Friday morning, Jason Agnew, Max Valiquet, and Sabrina Nanji. Thanks to you all for listening, and to Joe Cristiano and Nick Mirano for all of their work on the show. Have an amazing weekend and we'll talk on Monday. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.